Well, happy Sunday to you. Thank you so much for those watching online. Thank you for those in the room. Well, last weekend, it was incredible. We had 60, over 60 sign up for groups, and that was our largest group link ever. Um, that was just, that was just incredible. And for those who missed last week, you're more than welcome to jump into a group. We still have all openings and all our groups. So we encourage you to jump into a group today. And that's why we're in the shirt, Circle Up. It's our last um, push to get us into groups as we start this fall. Well, we're wrapping up our series, The Human Condition. And by condition, here's what we mean. It's a state within which we operate, exist, and live. And our human condition is to live in the tension of the gap that exists between who we are and who we want to be. Who we are and who we want to be. For some of us, we know how we want to respond in a certain circumstance and we find ourselves not always responding in the way that we want to respond. I mean, it happened to me this week. Uh, some things that happened with the county, and to show you some vulnerability, um, I was helping Brooke with her assignment, uh, so we were reviewing for her big spelling test, and I, I was very short-tempered. And, and, and that's what happens, right? We know who we should be. We know how we ought to respond. We know who we want to be, but we find ourselves falling short of that. We find ourselves falling short of that. And the self-help industry has made billions off of that tension. They have made billions. It's like work harder, invest smarter, all of these things. And it feels like we're exhausted because we've tried everything and we find ourselves still falling short. And so over the last couple of weeks, we talk about what that is. In fact, we find it in the Bible. Paul is writing to a group of Christians in in the Roman Empire. And he writes this. He says, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate to do. And we joke that before Dr. Seuss, there was Paul. And the truth is, this is what he's saying. He's saying, "There's, there's a reason why we all experience this gap. We experience this gap. We, we find ourselves having these, I don't understand why I did at moments. And the reason why is because of sin. It's because of sin. Maybe you don't want to talk about it this morning. I get it. I mean, no one wants to really openly talk about their sin. But we need to address it. You know, it's that moment you're aware that you crossed the line. It's when you know that you did something that you can't take back. It feels wrong, right? You feel out of rhythm with, with God. You feel out of rhythm with other people because of guilt or shame. All of that is sin. And the literal translation for sin is missing the mark. And the mark is God's commands, his expectations, his desires for you and for me. And Paul is writing that I want what God wants for me. That, well, that's what Paul's letting us know is, man, I want what God wants for me because I know that it's going to lead to the best life. And there's a change that happens in you. And there's a change that happens in me that as we follow Jesus, the Holy Spirit lives in us. And by living in us, our desires begin to change. Our wants begin to change. We begin to find the things in culture very unsatisfying. And we begin to find the things of Him very satisfying. And anything that moves us away from God and towards ourselves is sin. In other words, it's choosing my way over God's way. 
He writes, for I know the good itself that does not dwell in me. That is my sin nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do. This I keep doing. Now if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. He's saying there's this powerful entity in him called sin. Now, typically we think of sin as something we do, like a verb. But he says, man, it is a noun. So sin, the verb, is a symptom of the real problem, sin, the noun. He's not making any excuses. He's just, he's just explaining the human condition. Like you and I have, have, uh, we have this human condition, not because you and I are bad. We have a sin problem because you and I are human. Paul mentions, I mean, he's exhausted that he cannot overcome this sin nature. No matter how hard he tries, no matter how many times he tries to avoid sin, it still finds him. And he's like, man, I'm exhausted. Who's going to rescue me from the authority of this entity, of this sin nature? He says, thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And the word delivers means that through Jesus, we are set free from the authority of sin over our life. And here's the key. You and I didn't, didn't do anything to save ourselves. Jesus did it all. He delivered us from the tyranny of sin so that we could have a new life with a new hope where sin no longer reigns, where sin no longer defines us, where our past no longer determines and defines our future. It's when we have the capacity for a new life. And that is found in Jesus and in Jesus alone. And not only does that change our eternity, but it changes how we live here and now. See, the authority of sin is totally gone when you're in Christ. But it doesn't mean that it doesn't influence you. It doesn't mean that when you're in Christ, it can't influence you. And if you let it influence you, you will give it more power and authority than it actually has. So last week we left off with reading Romans 6.14. Again, this was what Paul wrote. He says, for sin shall no longer be your master. Here's why. You are not under the law. You are under grace. And we talked about how our brain processes information differently. That when we're audible with things, it actually goes into our prefrontal cortex and allows us to hopefully respond the way that we more likely to respond the way that we want to respond. And so we, we talked about this last week, that what if we said out loud, sin, you are not my master. I am set free in Christ. Sin, you do not reign over me. Like in that moment, it's a reminder that my identity is not sin. My identity is that I am with God. It's a declaration that I identify more with God than I do with my sin. I think we all agree, man, that's a lot easier said than done. It's impossible to do that by changing our behavior and avoiding sin. The big picture of what God desires for you and what God desires for me is so much bigger and better than that. He transforms you. You don't have to go around avoiding sin. 
You don't have to go around constantly changing your behavior on your strength. No, no. He transforms you and me. He transforms you and I from the inside out. As we talked earlier, Jesus delivered you and I from the authority of sin. Not that you could avoid it, but that he could transform you from the inside out. He'll transform your inner desires. In other words, as Jesus transforms you, there's less room for sin today than there was yesterday. That's how you know that you're growing. That's how you know that you're becoming who God wants you to be. That there's a little less room for sin in your life today than there was yesterday. And even though we haven't mentioned these two words, we've sort of described these two big religious words over the last couple of weeks. Justification and sanctification. Justification is the state of being justified before God. It happens in a moment. The moment when you believe in Jesus. When you believe that he died in your place and he took upon himself the punishment for your sin, which was death. And then in three days, he rose from the dead to defeat sin and death. When you believe in Jesus' death and resurrection, you are justified. It means that you are in right standing before God this year, next year, 10 years down the road. It means you're in right standing with God until the day you die. In fact, you're in right standing with God forever because of Jesus. The other word is sanctification, and sanctification is the process that happens after the moment. And so sanctification follows justification. Here's what that means. It means that it is a transformation that happens over time throughout your life that you are being changed from the inside out to live and love like Jesus. And this takes time. And this can't happen without your cooperation, and it's impossible for you to do it all on your own. If you think of the process of sanctification, it's a lot like an iceberg. An iceberg is about 90% underwater. And as the sun begins to hit on the exposed part, it begins to melt. And as that begins to melt, the part that's under the surface or under the water begins to move upward towards the surface into the light. Same thing happens to us. We are usually aware of a very small part of our sinfulness. As the light of God's work happens in our life and our life begins to change in areas that we know about, then we become aware of the new areas needing the work of God. So the things below the surface begin to raise to the top as God begins to transform us. And he writes, he says, Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. He says, without our justification, man, we're no longer condemned. We've been pardoned from our sin and we're no longer enemies with God. He says, and this is why, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. he's He's letting us know, man, the benefit of belonging to Jesus is that we receive the Spirit who does the work of giving us life and setting us free from the sin and the punishment of sin, which is death. And then he continues, he says, those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. He's saying in so many words, he says, 
who you're aligning yourself with. Are you aligning yourself with the sin nature or are you aligning yourself up with the spirit? If you think of alignment of a vehicle, if our vehicle is not aligned, we're damaging our vehicle. We're damaging our tires and it's affecting how the vehicle should operate. So if the suspension is out of alignment, there's uneven pressure on the tires that can cause our vehicle to work harder on the tires than it was designed to. Like if we are, if we are living aligned with the influence of sin, if we're aligning ourselves with our sin nature, we find ourselves working so much harder to escape, heal, and recover because it's fighting against the life provided by the Spirit. We're working harder than we need to. And he's like, listen, align yourself up with the Spirit instead with the sin nature because you're going to find yourself working a lot harder than you need to. You're going to find yourself working a lot harder than you need to. He writes, the mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. And we talked about this last week, where sin takes life, God gives life. Our mind is promising that, man, we're going to find peace if we go down this road and we follow our sin nature. It, it always over-promises and under-delivers. That's what sin does. But yet, when we follow God, when our heart is aligned, when our life is aligned with the Spirit, it leads to life and peace. You will always follow the direction of your focus. And I know we know this to be true. You will always follow the direction of your focus. The direction we will go will be determined by what we are setting our mind to and whom we are aligning our lives. So will it be the flesh that faces inward and it leads to sin and kill the good things in our life? Or will it be aligned with the Spirit that lives in you and wants to lead you to life and peace? And so we're going to leave Romans and we're going to go into Galatians to see a really practical way of putting this. Now, someone said that Galatians was Paul's spark notes of Romans. Now notice what he writes. So I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. He's saying when we walk by the Spirit, we again, we align ourselves with the values of the Spirit. And this leads to transformation. He continues, For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. He's saying they're at odds. They're in conflict with each other. So that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Something tragic happened on September 30th, 2001. Tom Brady entered a football game. And as a Steeler fan, that is tragic because the Steelers and the Patriots were at odds with each other for a long time. Pittsburgh could not get over the hump and beat the Patriots. They just couldn't. Now I say all that to say the flesh and the spirit are at odds with each other at all times. But he says, listen, you're no longer under this law, which is sin avoidance. It's trying to avoid sin. It's trying to change our behavior. He's like, no, no, no. It's not getting it perfect or else. He says, as a follower of Jesus, you're not under the law anymore. You're under grace, which provides space for progress. And Jesus sent his spirit 
to live inside of us to provide that progress. And then he says this. He says, I know for some of you, you guys are trying your hardest to kind of earn this. You're trying your hardest to, to show that, man, I'm trying to avoid sin, but here's what it's leading to. And then he writes, the acts of the flesh are obvious. They're obvious for two reasons. You know it when you see it. And they're obvious because each act chooses me over you. None of these things lead to life, lead to joy, lead to fulfillment, lead to satisfaction like they promise. And he breaks them down into four categories. He says sexual immorality, impurity, and botchery. That'd be physical. Idolatry and witchcraft, which is spiritual. We're trying to manipulate the spiritual realm. Hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy. That's relational. And then drunkenness, orgies, and the like. That's mental. And the reason why it's mental is when you drink too much, you're inebriated. You, you don't have control of what you should have control of. And it leads to things like orgies and the like. And there's different reasons why we've done these things. Culturally acceptable. We're afraid to lose someone who, who say they love us. Inconsistent with spiritual disciplines. We're discontent with life. We're raised to think it's okay. We're coping with stress and anxiety. We're trying to escape. And we've all been on the other side of the acts of the flesh, right? The acts of the flesh, the, these things, right? We, we've all been on the other side of those thinking, well, that didn't go well for me. It felt good in the moment. Like, it, it felt good. But it wasn't worth it. I can't believe I did it. I don't understand why I did moment. But he writes, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ, Jesus, have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. And fruit is something that is produced and the Spirit is producing something in you and me as we are aligned with Him. And the more that our mind is led by the Spirit, our lives will produce this kind of life. But we need to be aligned with the Spirit. And we would argue, I think we would all agree that the world is better with these things are produced in the lives of followers of Jesus. Our workplace is better. Our home is better. Our parenting strategy is better. Our marriages are healthier. Our communities are better. This world, our leadership, everything is better when these things are produced as we are aligned with the Spirit. And notice, this isn't about working harder or trying harder. It's not avoiding this sin or that sin. When we accept Jesus' death on the cross, we accept that our sin was crucified with him. And so Paul's saying, why in the world are you going back? Because it's not producing the, the kind of life. It's not producing the kind of life that is promising. Why would you go back? Why would you go back? He says, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. To walk and live by the Spirit happens in three ways. We acknowledge the Spirit. He's a person living inside of you, living inside of me, who we are to submit to. We're under new management. 
which leads to progress and life and peace. We're never lacking anything. We're never losing out on anything when we are submitted to Him. Number two, we give Him our attention. In a culture full of distractions, we can lose focus on what really matters. When appointments and commitments are filling up our calendars and our schedules, it's easy to lose focus and give the Spirit none of our attention. We need to act on His promptings. There will be times when you and I will feel uncomfortable. And this is the difference between condemnation, which would say you'll never come back from it. You'll never amount to anything. And conviction. See, that's what the Spirit does. He convicts us. It's, hey, you're about to do something you're going to regret. See, conviction is always before something happens. It's preventative. And that conviction, listen, will grow stronger at times than at others. It depends who we are aligning ourselves with. All this happens through praying and listening. And then he writes this, let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. We need to be very careful that we're not taking the credit for our progress, which is a grace gift from God. If you and I are taking credit for our spiritual progress, then we're not keeping aligned or keeping in step with the Spirit. Taking credit creates conceit. We need to take time to show the Spirit gratitude. We need to be careful that how we push our progress on others is easy to become judgmental and attempt to provoke others to live like you, but it has the opposite effect. Well, why aren't you there? I'm there. Why aren't you there? We can pray for them. And we can pray that they are sensitive to the Holy Spirit's conviction. We need to be careful not to envy the progress of others. This is a personal relationship with the Spirit that requires patience as we progress. We need to thank God, thank the Spirit for their progress. It's only by God's grace that you are where you are today with your progress. Humility should be on display 24-7. Remember, you will always follow the direction of your focus. So as we land the plane on the series, there's a couple tough personal questions to ask. And if answered honestly, will help you and I know where to go from here. So number one, are you aligned with your sin nature or with God? Like if you believe in Jesus, why go back? Why is the Spirit's conviction a good thing for you? And then, how can you show humility with your spiritual progress? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're incredibly thankful that we have this letter, actually these two letters that Paul wrote. He wrote Romans and he wrote Galatians. And really to give us handles on, on who we need to align ourselves with. We've been justified but we are in the process of sanctification. And I ask that for those in the room that are being transformed from the inside out to live and love more like Jesus, I ask that you would help us understand that this is progress. This takes time. This takes patience. For those who have yet to make a decision to follow Jesus, I ask that you would allow them to see how much peace and life is on the other side of that decision.
if they just said yes, they would be justified. And not just today, but a year down the road, 10 years down the road, a lifetime down the road. So Father, I ask for those of us who are followers of Jesus that we don't forget what it's like and that we are able to show patience for those who are being transformed because we are still being transformed. Remind us of that. Remind us of that. Help us to expose ourselves to the light of your work in our life so we're able to see the depth of our sinfulness and the great need we have for you. In Jesus' name.